Invocation, the poem Credo by Jack Micheline. Write clear the sound so they can hear it. Write the words that ring and sing. In the buses of defeat is a soul of eyes that dance. One in a million. For him, unknown brother, write the sound. Make it clear. Make it sing, make it ring for some lost lovers full of despair in far-off towns, for the children yet to come, for the dying and the dead, for the prisoner in his cell in the prisons of this world. Write for all, and they shall know thy sound. Riff 1 New York City, August 1994 Oily odors are oozing from the baked black streets. Darkness is descending over the concrete and steel beehive like a shroud. For the next ten hours, the illumination of all things will come not from the sun, but the neon. The headlights. All right, maybe the moon. But it is underway. The nightly transition from the natural to the unnatural. The cockroaches will be coming out soon. All across our teeming, steamy metropolis, in this building and that, certain individuals are just getting out of bed, anticipating an evening of action, plotting their next hustle, preparing to prowl. I'm not as bad as them, of course. I've been up for a good four or five hours already. And the tourists are coming in, the businessmen, streaming across the bridges and through the tunnels, in cabs, trains, and limos, from every city and country on Earth. And as soon as they feel that hot, hard pavement under their feet and look up at those bright, multicolored lights and those sooty brick buildings, a little voice goes off in their heads. They don't ever hear that voice in Seattle or Tokyo or Frankfurt or Oklahoma City. But when they get to the Big Apple, there it comes, unavoidable, unmistakable, rising directly out of their subconscious, speaking to them, personally, in a kind of fiendish, devilish whisper. You're in New York now. Go ahead. Indulge yourself. It's okay. Come on, it's okay. Look around you. Everybody's doing it. It's okay. It's okay. Now the first thing you do is get about a thousand dollars worth of cocaine. Or better yet, two thousand dollars worth. Hey, don't worry about it. It's okay. Everybody's doing it. It's okay. Go ahead. There's an ATM right over there. Then you go get a hotel room, a case of booze, and call up those 16-year-old Siamese twin prostitutes you read about in the magazine and party like the living dead into the middle of next Wednesday. What, you don't have the money? Get a cash advance on your credit card. It's okay. Everybody's doing it. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. New York, New York. The city with so much vice, they named it twice. Because they were so fucked up, they forgot they named it the first time. Two junkies surrounded by syringes, 
propped up against an alleyway wall. Junkie number one. Hey, man. Where are we? Junkie number two. New York. His dull response before slumping forward, nodding out, floating for a timeless moment in the netherworld, then suddenly regaining consciousness, opening eyes and snapping to abrupt attention. New York! A modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where we are. Possibly the most decadent city on the face of the earth. Where all your dreams can come true. No matter how twisted. No matter how self-indulgent. No matter how harmful to your health or incompatible with your family values. If you've got the money, it's all there for you. But if you haven't got it, well, that's where I am. An insidious hellhole from which there is no escape where dreams of glory are splattered every day against the hard shoals of reality. Yeah, I still have dreams. Twenty-plus years in this motherfucker, and I still got them. Shit, I was supposed to be a star. World famous. It was my destiny. One of the top musicians on the planet. And I can still play, believe me. On a very high musical and artistic level. Just put me on the stage of Lincoln Center or Carnegie Hall or any top concert venue anywhere on earth. I'll prove it to you. I ain't bullshitting about that. So, what am I doing this for? Peering out the window of my funky little studio apartment into the twilight of Hell's Kitchen, looking impatiently up the block. When the hell is Taipei gonna show up? I beeped him three times already. Sometimes he calls first, other times he just comes and rings the bell. Taipei, real name Tyrone Masterson, is a chai grow. He's my 5 p.m. to midnight man. He grew up in Taiwan, the only child of a black American father and a Chinese mother. Still speaks fluent Chinese. But he's been in New York for over 25 years now. And his English is strictly American urban contemporary, if you get my drift. He lives uptown, drives a bright red Mitsubishi Eclipse, sells blow, and goes by the street name of Taipei Blood. A little play on words there. But he's not a man to be messed with. No sense of humor at all when it comes to business. Ah! The phone. Made me jump. Hit my goddamn neck on the back of the window. I pick it up with a strange mixture of pain and relief. Hello? Yeah. The unmistakable low-pitched growly response. What's up? Where you at? Fifteen minutes. Click. Riff 2. That's a load off my mind. At least I won't have to go gently into this good night, as the poet once said. At least I'll have a little buzz to keep me company. Fend off the boredom. Add a little color to the picture, so to speak. If nothing else. Tomorrow night I have a gig at the Waldorf with Dick Hardwell and his high society orchestra. And as you can well imagine, I am not looking forward to that. Hmm. Twelve minutes to ETA. Let's see. Checklist. Got my straw. Got my razor blade. Got my circular mirror with the little chrome handles on it that I brought back from the tour of Czechoslovakia in 88, when they gave us five times the official exchange rate for our U.S. dollars in their sad-ass Eastern Bloc currency that was totally worthless, except for there. So I bought a shitload of Bohemian crystal and brought it back. 
That mirror came with a set of very fancy champagne glasses. I gave them to my mom. Well, at least I still got the mirror. One of my favorite utensils, actually. I take another look out the window. Nothing yet. I know, he said, 15 minutes. Check my watch. Still seven minutes to go. Look around. The bathroom beckons. Gotta take a dump. Jesus, I am as conditioned as a Pavlovian dog. Just the thought, the mere thought of the arrival of the man is all it takes to get my bum gut working. Well, make yourself comfortable. It's the best seat in the house. Ah, that's the sound I want to hear. I manage a hasty wipe, pulling my pants up as I stumble towards the window again. Yes, there's that red sports car. All right. Out the door, down the creaky stairs, through the tiny foyer and out the heavy security door into the warm, humid night. Taipei is standing by the open passenger door of his Mitsubishi. He is wearing one of those ventilator t-shirts with the little tiny holes all over, in lime green, and enough gold chains and jewelry to choke an uptown pimp. He stands only about 5'6", but his muscular torso commands respect. As usual, there is a high-styled and heavily made-up black chick in the front seat. He smiles, displaying a gold tooth, darkish brown skin slightly wrinkling around Asian eyes. What's up? I smile back. What's up? is his resonant bass register response as he pulls the front seat forward so I can squeeze into the Eclipse's tiny back seat. This is Chalandra. Hi, Chalandra, I say. How you doing? Fine, she says, without turning around, in a voice that could care less. I can see that, I answer semi-charmingly. Taipei walks around and gets into the driver's seat and we start to cruise slowly up the block. So what's happening? I ask. You tell me. Same shit, different day, man. I got a tuxedo gig at the Waldorf tomorrow night, so I should be able to pay you real soon. He looks over his shoulder with an expression that says, I'm pretty sure you're kidding, but don't fuck with me. I grin. I mean for the next one, man, for the next one. I reach in my pocket and pull out $147 and hand it up to him in the front seat. But I gotta owe you three on this one, all right? Ah, he groans in mock irritation. He quickly counts the money, then reaches into his little leather case and hands me back a mini Ziploc plastic bag filled with 3.5 grams of shiny rock cocaine, what is known in the vernacular as an eight ball, and Anita Baker tune is playing on the radio. Giving you the best that I got, baby. So, I ask as I examine the packet under the passing streetlights, are you giving me the best that you got? Ha 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 he says dryly. Very funny. We've driven almost all the way around the block now, and he pulls up at the corner of 10th Avenue. You gonna be around later? I ask. Hey, you never know. His typical response. All right, all right, have a good one, I say. He reaches over and opens the girl's side door, and I squeeze my way out. Nice meeting you. You too, she says with a total lack of sincerity. The door slams shut and vroom! With a puff of exhaust, the red car darts into the uptown traffic and is gone. Taipei, headed back to Harlem with yet another of his seemingly endless supply of finely tuned bitches. 
Taipei doesn't hang out with men. Not ever. Doesn't trust him. Not since some years ago when his then-partner shot him three times in the head and left him for dead. He survived that shit. True, it was only a twenty-two caliber pistol, but still, what are the odds, the chances of that? And he still has all his faculties. That's quite amazing. The only trace of damage is that he walks with a slight limp. I asked him one time what happened to the guy that did that to him. I don't know, he told me in a voice that still sends shivers down my backbone every time I think of it. His whole family disappeared. 